Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And I'm Sophie Robinson. And today we are talking to a creative legend, the face that launched a thousand colour schemes, the woman who has steered and surprised the nation's taste for over 25 years, armed with nothing but a brush and a pot of mouse's back. She is, of course, Joa Studholm, colour curator for paint and wallpaper brand Farron Ball. Welcome to the great indoors, Joa. Thank you. So lovely to see you both <laughs> after we'd had such a lovely evening together for the launch of the Farrenville New Colours in our factory. Wasn't it incredible to be in the factory? I'm very rarely allowed to go into the Farrenville paint factory purely because I get so totally overexcited. <laughs> yeah, we should share that with our listeners, shouldn't we? It was a, a recent press event. I think you had like 40, 50 journalists and designers. Yes, I think at so. The event. Yeah. It was quite a to-do, wasn't it? And you created this amazing banquet inside the Farrow and Bull factory. What was so amazing was that it was running, the factory was running while, you know, they were making paint while we were sitting in the middle of it. And, I, you know, it's kind of incredible when you're in there that you think there's all this product and fabulous colours comes out of that tiny little kind of quite artisan factory. Yeah, it was. It was amazing. My One of my favourite parts was the tester pot making section. You've got all these little mini tester pots all clucking away. The noise they make. Is yeah, it was, like, it was like a chicken farm, wasn't it? <laughs> I, I think the thing that always amazes me, and I didn't take a photograph, but it's walking past those big vats of paint. Mm. And, you know, someone stands there and says, we're making some pale pink. And you look in and there's sort of swirls of green and pink and, and yellow. It's extraordinary. I mean, I'm like sort of Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. You know, it's just everything is sort of delicious. and But surprising. I mean, as you say, Kate, you know, it's not what you're expecting to see. You know, because you're seeing proper pure pigment going into the paint. So... In order for that, Joe, I mean, we'll come on to your background in a bit, but clearly you have an eye for colour and, and a sense of taste. But are you a bit of a scientist? Do you understand when you say, I want a new colour and I wish it to be a shade of orange or I'm feeling <laughs> it for pale pink this season? Do, do you now have an innate understanding of the fact that there's got to be some black and some brown and a bit of mud colour in there to make it? Or do you just oversee the alchemy? I mean, this is as far as my scientific kind of credentials go, a teaspoon and a ramekin. Uh, I mean, I literally, that's how I mix colours. I can get something onto a page, the colour that I think might work pretty well. And then it is the geniuses in our laboratory in the lab who can come up with creating the colours. And I'm amazed every time about what goes into that colour but I don't know it is literally it is so lo-fi low-tech what I do. So are you are you turning up into this highly professional 
mechanized factory with a ramekin and going so I was at my kitchen table I shoved aside the cornflakes and there's half a teaspoon of yellow and there's a kind of smoosh of green (laughs) and then I just tipped over the blue by accident but oh look at the result it's really nice can you make that into a product and can we have it on the shelves in the next 12 months essentially yes I mean I will sit often with Charlie who's our head of creative and she and I will sit and mix colors usually at my kitchen table and always with ramekins and spoons it's the way we've done it for the last you know 18 years and then you know we all get it on a piece of paper and we take it to the lab I mean that literally is it you're making it sound so easy but I think for me I mean we should get into why Farron Ball has become so successful um, and for me I think one of the things is the colours they are so subtly nuanced they're always a little bit dirty aren't they they're always a little bit love a dirty color oh yes who likes clean color in this room sorry she likes a clean clean color um i i mean they have a very particular look and that was the genius of tom helm who originally made the original colors all those years ago and but i mean really it's the quality of the paint is is actually what makes it look so different because it gives that incredibly velvety feel like I mean I always sort of think you can almost feel you can dive into the colours you know dive into the walls because they're so velvety it's interesting I had in my last house Sophie needs to perhaps block her ears I painted my bedroom pavilion grey oh, yes. she's allergic to grey I know, um, I know. but it was a, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a south facing room and there was one particular corner where I had an old wooden table And you're absolutely right about that velvetiness. When the sun was coming in in the afternoon, it was an incredibly warm colour against the wood. It was a beautiful shade. On other days, it was cooler and colder. But it had that sort of slightly movable quality. I I mean, that to me is almost the most important thing about the the look of a Farrenball paint is that it changes so much in different light conditions. So it feels kind of alive. That's the magic of the Farrenball colours, that they're not flat and dependable, which, you know, if you're a very pedantic person, maybe that kind of freaks you out. But I think it's what you know makes rooms really sort of super special. And, you know, those old original colours like, particularly light blue, which, you know, during the day feels quite blue and upbeat and in the evening becomes incredibly sort of silvery. You know, they just, they really work with the light at all times. Well, they work in this climate, I think. Years ago, I interviewed somebody, I now can't remember why, but she was in Seattle and she was saying that she loved using Farrow and Ball paints in Seattle because, of course, it's renowned for its rainy climate. And she was saying the colours work particularly well in that kind of rain-soaked climate um, because they're a bit faded and a bit muddy and they sort of enhanced what was going on outside. So would you say with their muddiness, they're still going to work in the sort of harsh lights of LA and Australia? I know you're going to say yes, but how? <laughs> really, really interesting. So, oh gosh, I can't remember when, maybe 20 years ago, when we first went to the States with the Farnball palette, and we were virtually dressed in tweeds and pearls because we were all about, you know, we're a very British company. The Americans really didn't give a damn about that. But what I was so shocked about was when we got to New York, each one of our colours just looked totally different in the light in New York. And then we could equate that to the UK. What you're right in saying is that when you get to the West Coast, when you get to LA, when the light is so harsh, then it's very different. 
We don't make colour. I mean, we have got this palette called the California Collection, which was done with Kelly Wersler, which is was playing to those strengths. But still, they have our 132 core palette. They just look different in LA. They don't look worse. They just look look different. Um, and that's exciting in itself as well. And has has the formula of them changed? You will not be unaware that, uh, you know, there have been some people say that if the builder's coming, they might have to pay for an extra day to paint an extra layer. And I felt with one room that it was all sort of thick and the first coat always looked quite terrifying. The second coat, you were like, oh, now I know why I've done it. It's beautiful. And then there was a period where perhaps it needed an extra coat, which I think was perhaps pulling out some of the chemicals to conform to more sustainable formulas. And now um, from the tester pot from the other day, it's gone all sort of thick and luscious again. So have, have things changed? It hasn't changed, actually. I mean, it's always been a two coat system. I mean, the really, it's the really boring, boring bit, but it's preparation. You know, it's, if it's primed properly, then it's fine. And I think that sometimes, you know, application is a little bit casual. Um, you know, if you just get your roller and you can go like that, you're not going to get the result you want. You just need to take a little bit of care and, the, and then you will really get the result. I mean, the thing that's changed from when I first started was it was all about a state emulsion, which is incredibly flat and has that incredible velvety texture to it, but not desperately practical in places, you know, high traffic areas or condensation bathrooms, kitchens. So now, of course, we have the modern emulsion, which is completely wipeable, which is a you know fantastic thing for variable users to have. I'm really interested in in the colour palette and the fact that I know you've got 132 colours, but they are kind of like a bit of a family, aren't they? And I think a lot of people really feel confident with that palette. It gives people a lot of, of confidence that those colours are going to go together. And again, since you're the colour curator, you know, you put these palettes together, you choose which one's going to fall off the colour palette, which yeah. ones you're going to bring in. Always controversial. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just wondering if you can talk to us about your personal take on how you create a family of colours so that this colour will work in the kitchen, moving through into the hallway, then moving on into the living room, you know, creating that flow, that palette that changes. Well, I mean, I think the thing with the 132 colours is a very, very key Farron Wall thing, because we just don't want to give you that endless choice. So many colours, you just are completely baffled by the whole thing. So we're saying, you know, we hope that on this within this 132 colours, that there'll be something for everything. And that's one of my really big things, my personal big things for Farron Ball, is because when I started, everybody thought, well, you can only use that if you have a stately home or a historic house, which is just not the case at all. So I've always tried to make colours which are more kind of accessible to modern homes. But back to your point, we really spent a lot of time creating these neutral groups so when the mania for grey Sophie was hiding underneath her pillow <laughs> was going on which went on for quite a long time yeah you know. longer than anybody thought yes and sometimes we sort of thought it was a monster of our own making because we had suddenly we you know we brought out all these greys just before it happened we had created these groups of neutrals four neutrals which are guaranteed to work together so it's all about being customer friendly so you know that in those four colours within that group you can use one on the ceiling one on the walls one on the trim one on a piece of furniture one on the floor you know you can you can layer them up you can use them in any combination and that I think I hope has proved really really useful and it's we're not trying to be totally prescriptive you know you can you can interpret it in any way but you have confidence that they'll work together 
And funnily enough, in the last set of new colours, we started to think about this a little bit more with colours as well. For instance, there's a group of colours which are pigeon, blue-grey, mizzle and chromaty. They're sort of blue-grey colours and they work really well together. And often people use them all within one room or perhaps, as you say, kind of flowing through from one room to the next. So we've tried to kind of make those more little colour families like that. Oh, can, can I show you things? Am I allowed to have props? Yes, yes. show us things. Props. Because um, th- this is obviously the podcast, but we also will post this on YouTube. So if you've got some colour swatches to hold up. What I'm showing you is one of our new colours, which is called Eddie. And that is a light sort of, it just joins the colour family of Treron and French Grey. So again, it liked the neutral groups I was talking about. These, you know, you could layer them up in any way within a space. Okay, so light, middly and a dark colour. Exactly. And so that's just, again, giving people confidence that they can, they know that those three colours work together. And I know, I know you two have been talking a lot, when you were talking about new colours in general, you were talking a lot about colours which were kind of related to nature. And that certainly is that particular little group there is very much related to nature. And, you know, something which I think, as you say, we want, you know, we want that in our homes and we particularly want to be sort of grounded. And then we've also, there's a very, very popular colour called setting plaster. Oh, I love setting plaster. Yeah, it's plaster. lovely, that. A lot of people like setting plaster very much. And so we just thought we would create a colour which is a dark, slightly darker version of it, a stronger tone of it. Um, again, these two often used together within one room. So they're kind of like brownie pinks, aren't they? Yeah, they, well, they are pure plaster, Sophie, that's the thing. So setting plaster came about because I had plastered a tiny little room, uh, which was a little TV room, and we looked at it and we oh, my God, it's fabulous. You know, let's keep it plastered and let's just, you know, put some kind of sealant over it. By the time I got back from work, the helpful painter had painted it white. You know, he just thought, oh, I'll just, you know, quickly just whitewash that over. So... Literally, that's how that colour came about. I just tried to make a colour that looked like setting plaster. I mean, that's awful to admit I did it for myself. It's like schoolhouse white. I made completely for myself. Were you surprised by by this sort of fairly sudden passion for grey. I mean, I had in my last house for many years, my sitting room was painted down pipe, as I'm sure you know. And I got to the stage where I was asked so many times that people would say, what colour is your sitting room? And I could just hit D on my phone and the word down pipe (laughs) would automatically type itself out. And it it is a gorgeous colour, but you're sitting there and for listeners, Jo is in, in her room with a beautiful dark green wall behind her. It looks dark green on my screen. It is. It's it's uh, yeah, it's the n- new colour Beverly. A new colour Beverly and wearing a fabulous coral shirt. And so the colour combinations are great. So mm-hmm. you are not, I'm guessing, and having seen pictures of your house, you're not one of life's natural grey people. And yet this downpipe, this explosion of grey was very much, I think, led or... Farron Ball was at the vanguard of it. Yes, I, I, I think we were. So, downpipe is a really interesting one because in here, in my house here, the, all the hall, stairs and landing has been downpipe for maybe 20 years. And every single one of the room, other rooms gets painted minimum three times a year. I mean, the colours change all the time. But I kind of made a pledge to my children and my husband that we would keep the hall in downpipe because... It just meant that when they come through the front door, they know they're home. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not. 
And when my children were away, they, you know, they'd come back and their bedrooms had changed colour. They never noticed. They <laughs> never, ever noticed. I love that. But they know, you know, downpipe, we have downpipe on the walls and all the trim. So they know they've walked into the right house, basically. They know. Because I, otherwise, they'd be like, oh, no, I've opened the wrong front door. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, white floorboards and downpipe, um, downpipe walls. And I, spe- I, I actually had downpipe. As yes, well. you did. Unbelievably, in your last I did, yeah. and I liked it because bright colours really pop. Oh yeah, particularly yellows. I mean, if you you know the yellow cakes and those really strong yellows look fabulous against stampers. So, so were you were you surprised by by grey? Why do you think that we suddenly went so mad for grey? And we've definitely moved off it a bit. Oh well, no, we've definitely moved off it. Well, I think that it was all about, you know, it was quite sort of buoyant times. You know, we were all out working really hard and. You know, when you came home, you, your your home didn't need to give you much. You know, you just wanted it to look really elegant, um, you know, with little tonal changes within each room. I mean, I, I live in West London in Notting Hill and, you know, every single house was looked the same. You know, it was seas of beautiful stone and marble and, you know, and basically those two grey uh, neutral families that we made just were going through every single house. And I think nobody put their hand above the parapet. You know, it was just really easy. If I have a grey home, everybody's going to love it. And then I think the reason we sort of came out of it, we predicted it a bit before the pandemic, but was, you know, we just need our houses to be kinder to us now, you know, to be a bit more cosy. And maybe a bit more emotional. A bit more emotional. You're so right, Sophie. You don't get a lot of emotion from grey, apart from maybe finding it quite calming. I yeah. think a lot of people who like that grey palette find it quite serene, don't they? Yeah, and, and being able to drift seamlessly from room to room. That was what people, you know, terrified. You know, if I said, well, you know, why don't we change the, the door colour from one room to another? People go, oh, my God, no, don't. But, I mean, that you see that in every Georgian house. And you never, ever think about it. It's so interesting the way you say, you know, there's that old saying about, and I'm going to get it the wrong way round, but when times are hard, the hemlines go up or red sales of red lipstick really boom in difficult economic times because it's an affordable treat that makes you feel better if you can't afford a whole new dress. So, you know, we're looking, we're, we're about to go into red lipstick times, I think. So I'm interested that you say when grey started to be popular, we didn't need so much from our homes because we were busy working and we just wanted something calm we could forget about. And so that brings us now, you spoke at the launch of the new colours, uh, which by the way, for listeners, Fair and Ball only really tend to do once every three years and you were delayed a year by the pandemic. So it's it's quite an event. You spoke then about exactly that. We've been in our homes, but we need more from our homes now. So you would feel that Obviously, the colours we choose to surround ourselves with do support us. But are we needing more from our homes? And how is how is colour paint going to do that? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, colours going back to talking about set, setting plaster and Templeton pink. Those are colours which are have become very popular because they literally feel like they're embracing you. You know, it feels like they're giving you a great big hug when when you come home. Um, so I think that's incredibly important. I mean, zoning. If you don't live in a very big house um, and you need to sort of zone your work area, I just think it's so good for the soul to somehow get away from that working space. I know we're all obsessed with our devices. But if you can, you know, possibly just move into a different kind of area and things to create create memories. You know, that's that's my thing is... Why not do do have things in your home which make you smile? If you're terrified of colour, if you're still in the grey, you know, in that in that world, why don't you put colour inside your 
coat cupboard. Inside your, the cupboard you get your mugs out of. You put something in there so when you open it, it makes you smile. It's good for the soul. I mean, I really genuinely believe that. And how do you, because you obviously work as a colour consultant, helping people put palettes together for their home. How do you tackle someone who is in that paralysed with fear kind because I think there's two things a lot of people don't understand color so they don't even know where to start and then some people do want to do what everybody else in the street's doing because there's just a safe acceptance in that so if you've got somebody and you want to help them break out of whatever narrative they're in how how do you go about finding what colors because different colors make different people feel happy like you know we were saying you really like a muddy brown I'm more of a perky pink kind of person I'm not going to tell you what I am. Um, No, the way you go about helping people is gently, you know, and my big thing was when I started the consultancy for Farrenball, which was 26 years ago, I think, you know, was that it was a service for everyone. Is that, you know, a colour consultant from Farrenball could come into your home and introduce very gently little bits of colour that you're going to feel completely at home with, comfortable with. So that's the, uh, the general kind of thought and also because you can, just, you know, I show people the colour on the wall. I show them images of the different colours being used. And I look at what they're wearing. I look at how they planted their garden. You know, you can pick up a lot of things. So you're looking, you're like a detective. Like a detective, yeah. I mean, we're not in the, in the game of forcing colour on people. We're in the, in the game of creating homes that people feel comfortable with, but perhaps with a little bit of extra. For those who perhaps can't access your colour consultancy, have you got a bit of advice on, you know, where people start? You know, I've just moved into this house, as you can see on the screen, there's boxes all around me, and it's a very unattractive cold shade of grey throughout. But I I know what I want to do. But for someone else who's just moved somewhere, and it's not what they want, What's your advice? Is where where do they start? Well, I mean, I think if you're talking about a, a whole house or a flat or you know home, it's I would always start with the hall and just think about what you want to do there. What do you want to happen when you come through your front door? Apart from your children recognise their home, <laughs> it's um, always a good no, start. I mean, yeah. Want, yeah. <laughs> so you know, do you want to have a great tra and you know some drama and you know, if you do that and you do really strong colour in your in your hall, it gives you licence to be much more neutral in the other rooms, if that's your thing. So that's often something I will talk to somebody about in a consultancy, but you could do it yourself at home. If you put some colour in your hall, you've decorated the house. Yeah, nice. You know, you're always passing through it, so it's not scary, but it's, you know, you're not sitting in it for hours on end. That's so interesting, though, because I think Sophie's Hall, which is this cobalt blue and pink stair runner, Sophie's absolutely coming through the front door and going, Trilla! And yeah. then it gets a bit calmer throughout, whereas I need to walk through my front door and go, oh, thank God oh. for that. And then I'm quite happy to go into my kitchen and go, right, Trilla! So it's so your key is, where's your Trilla point? Yes. <laughs> That's how think, you do it. Think about your Trilla. Yeah. But also one thing, you know, people are very, um, a lot of people are obsessed with their houses being as light as possible. And they think that by painting things whiter and whiter and whiter that the house is going to look lighter. But actually in halls, for instance, one of the great things to think about is to put your the lightest colour on the biggest surface, the walls. But then, actually, if you do a darker trim, I mean, it could just be a dark neutral or you could go into, you know, a a charcoal colour. That makes it feel much more decorated. And the contrast between the walls and the trim make the room look bigger. So it's, you know, you've created something a little bit more designed. The one thing that, you know, people really 
caught on to at the moment is painting the spindles of their staircase dark because it creates this sort of dark core through the middle of the house and everything else around it looks lighter. But, you know, it's difficult to suggest to people putting darker things into their homes to make it look lighter. But it's true because it's all about contrast. It's interesting because my last house was was quite dark or had dark, several dark painted rooms in it. And this house feels to me like it wants to be much lighter on the walls. It's smaller. So I'm exactly going in that direction of paler walls and darker trim. But you said at, at the beginning that you're using your new colour hopper head and people are doing it on the walls. So is there there's presumably we're getting a bit bolder with colour as a nation but is the dark thing still going you know we're not moving away from that I I think it is still going although I think more upbeat colours also are on trend I mean I'm very passionate about not having a colour of the year or about Farron Ball we are and I know you were talking about colour of the year the other day but I think what's much more interesting than colour of the year is ways of using colour each year if you see what I mean so like last year I think we you know we did all our trends stuff was about painting checked floors or doing a tide line and just generally colours which are a little bit more upbeat and kind and fun so for instance there are a couple of new colours whirly bird and kitty rate one is a sort of a, a clean green light green and one's a clean but warmer light blue and they were, were very much made to make bring a bit more sort of fun into the, into the home. And one of the things I really thought about a lot during the pandemic, as you said, Kate, you know, we had a bit of extra time then, was to try and recognise the power of the homeowner or the, the homemaker more than anything. I was going to say woman, but it could be man. So, for instance, you know, a lot of these colours are inspired by things like baking and crafting and wild or swimming you know, things which are sort of are homely as it were and, they, and these colors are much more upbeat but but you know each to their own one thing i say all the time is that thank goodness we all like different things a lot of people ask me one of the things that hold them back when it goes for making bolder color choices is this fear that I think has been instilled in us, mainly Channel Four's fault. I'm going to argue <laughs> that uh, well, what 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 happens when I want to sell my house? Uh, yeah. Am I devaluing my house by putting color on the walls? A hundred percent not. Particularly, I mean, you know, in the grey mania years, I mean, I would at least you know, try and put some color in your downstairs. It might be corny. <laughs> But, I mean, you could go around 100 houses and they all look the same. You couldn't remember which one was which. And now, you know, it's wonderful. You feel some character. They feel like they're full of love and soul. I completely disagree with that. And, you know, you can get a handle on the property. And if it's been decorated beautifully as well, because I think that just shows how negative people think about colour. Like, if I paint my house in colour, I'm going to devalue my house. Like, But what you're saying is if you decorate it beautifully you might actually increase the yeah. allure, if you like. And who's not to say that someone like me isn't going to be the prospective buyer? It's <laughs> God, in my dreams. Um, uh, but I mean, but I think, you know, you have, you have to take care. I mean, I think going back to, to, you know, how do you start? You know, I always start with the hall because then you can look at the sight lines you've got from one room to another. And I think that is important, especially bedrooms, say on a kind of, you know, in a little landing, you've got one very light room and two dark rooms. It just does feel very sort of topsy-turvy. And that lighter room will feel lesser and the dark rooms will look dark because you're comparing it to the lighter room. So there are things you need to think about, definitely. The sort of intensity of colour, floor by floor is one of them. 
But I love a light kitchen, so. Yeah, light kitchen. Light I've kitchen. got a really dark kitchen. You have. Actually, I might, I might ask you about this because I've got a fairly modest, it's not a big kitchen. Uh, it's north facing. It's got small cottagey windows and it was painted a kind of pale yellow by the, the previous homeowner. I think an attempt to go, oh, let's try and make this room feel sunny. Yeah. Where it just didn't at all. So I sort of thought, right, I'm embracing the darkness and it's a very similar dark green to the wall that you've got behind you. And I went very, very dark and cocooning. And then I've got lots of lamps and lights. I'm actually itching to redecorate it. Unfortunately, Ooh. my husband loves it. And he's like, no, I really like this room. Well, you've got wallpaper But I kind well. of... That, my theory was it's a dark, unassuming room with not a lot going for it. I'm going to embrace the darkness. And I've actually put a very highly patterned wallpaper in there, which gives it a bit of depth. I, I mean, I'm 100% with you. If you have a small, dark space and you paint it white, you end up with a small, dark, dull space. You're much better. Don't fight nature. Go with it. You know, so this tiny little room you know, is painted in Beverly, this dark green, because it hasn't got a lot of light. It hasn't got a lot of space. So let's make it into a little jewel when you come in here. And bigger, lighter spaces. I mean, there are no rules, but I usually tend to, to keep them big and light. Mm. I admire your refusal to uh, to not get involved in the colour of the year bandwagon. That said, I remember going to a launch around 2015-ish. And I remember you saying, you were talking about, I think, Radicchio, and which is a sort of deep red colour. And you said, the thing is, everyone, you said, yellow is coming for us, whether you like it or not. And we all went, oh God, she's actually lost the plot. We thought she was a genius. We can all see it's grey. It's going to be grey forevermore. There will be no yellow. And of course, lo and behold, yellow comes romping over the hill with your beautiful hay colour. We all love yellow. We've been deprived of the sunshine because we've been inside. So while you don't want to talk about colour of the year, which I respect, you've clearly got some predictions up your sleeve. So where are we going? Yeah, what are they? What <laughs> where are, are they? we going? <laughs> you know, the green and pink thing is just going on and on. And so on. it's not over that. It's definitely not over. But for me, the most important colour that I think in the, the new colours is called Stir About. And that is a very neutral but extremely warm tone. And it just brings us galloping into the renaissance of these sort of earthier tones. So that is the neutral. It's a, it's a darker version than Jitney, which was in the last set of new colours. I think was I was a little we were a little bit ahead of ourselves at that stage. So just for anyone who's not watching, are they quite porridgey colours? Because Stir About makes <laughs> well, me think funny of porridge. Funny you should say that. <laughs> funny you should say that because with Jitney, we wanted it to be very sort of uplifting. I'm trying to think of things which created that uplifting feeling, you know, after work. And the Jitney is the bus that takes you out of New York and to the Hamptons. So it's this sort of thing of you know going out of the grey city, um, going to the sort of sandier, sunnier climes, a very uplifting feeling, which that colour kind of seems to represent. So when we came to make the, the lighter version, we were thinking about the same thing, but perhaps on this side of the ocean, so in the UK, and also at the beginning of the day, what's more nourishing than porridge, as you said. <laughs> the, the second colour is called stir about, which is a sort of colloquial name the Irish kids gave their porridge. So yeah, you're 100% right. So what I'm saying is that the renaissance of those sort of earthier tones is 100% the most important thing. And I think we are going straight into 
rusty reds, reddy browns, you know, all those sorts of colour. I'm loving getting some insight into some of the names because this is something else that's put Framble on the map, hasn't it, is the extraordinary names. And I wonder if you could give us, I mean, you've already just given me a bit of an insight in how you come up with them. The fact that you're thinking of the Jitney buses, like going from the smoky city into the sandy Hamptons or whatever. I mean, is that, how do you, how do you come up with these names? Because some of them are wacky. Was it a sort of marketing idea, a clever marketing idea, or did it just grow and has it taken you by surprise that now there are kind of memes and jokes about the colours? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think when Tom Helm and John Sutcliffe uh, first put together the colours for, for the Farrell I mean, when it kind of reinvented itself in the, in the early 90s, I think they... Was it a marketing trick? I didn't think they thought it through that much. It was just something quite charming. But, I mean, the names now, without doubt, you know, have huge importance. And we don't, we never, ever, ever do anything for sort of wacky effect. You know, they've got to have a story behind them. And that's why, I mean, what I was saying about, you know, this thing about sort of giving a nod to the to the homemaker with these names or inspirations of things which are sort of are close to home, like like stir about like the porridge or tailor tack which is one of our new uh a new pink which is named after you know the simple thread used uh, in crafting you know very 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 pale pink so we definitely think about how people will react to the color to the name i mean sulking room pink in the last set of new colors caused a bit of a storm people either were appalled by the thought of it but it had absolute historic base you know it because it was a very much a color you would have been used in boudoirs and the word boudoir comes from boudoir to sulk a room to go and sulk in so you know this color dark blue called wine dark which everybody goes we well, can't have a blue called wine dark but i mean that comes this is where i get terribly clever um, <laughs> very very cultural it comes from from homer you know from the iliad because i feel that that color is really kind of feeds the soul it's such a romantic color and and he talks about you know wine dark seas all the time so it doesn't seem to have the word blue so you know so there might be so there's something like that which is basically just you know intriguing well there's the famous dead salmon isn't there yeah, I mean, well dead salmon is you know that is just came off they call it a ticket in those days but like what we would call an invoice from a painter at kettleston hall way 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 back and he's talking about the color salmon and he says i you know five hours of painting dead as in the the finish dead flat salmon and so it reads as dead salmon Oh, that's, that's I, I knew it was sort of historical, but I didn't quite understand that. Yeah, oh, that's, that's great. No, that's that one. Yeah, love it. Oh, Joe, this has been so amazing. I could talk to you forever, especially about the names. I find them so intriguing. But before I let you go, I feel like there should be another maybe tricky question to ask you, because again, oh, it's something please. I get asked <laughs> a lot. I think I know what you're going to say. But a lot of people ask us, is expensive paint worth the money? And can you colour match it down the DIY shed? I will admit to have tried that and failed. I think that's the answer, isn't it? I want to get your take on why does it or doesn't it work to copy the paint? I think in the 27 years I've worked with Farron Ball, three times I've been asked to go back to colour consulting services where they've said, this just hasn't worked. And I can spot from, you know, 100 yards. It's not farmable paint, so of course it's not. So the sheen is different. It's catching the light in a different way. So yes, you can create the colour. You can create the colour probably up to uh, sort of A4 size, and it will look pretty similar. 
the moment you get to a metre wide, I've done it a million times, the colours just look different. No, you can't create a, a Farron Ball colour in, in, in a different brand. You just you just can't. You just don't get that same quality. So, OK, so what are you losing? You're losing the subtlety? You're losing uh, the depth of pigment is what you're really losing. That's the main thing. And it's interesting you say you could match the colour as such, but it's the the sheen and the all the other bits. So it's a whole, it's not just about colour, is it? Clearly, then it's about the whole kind of package that's giving you that effect. And that's it's what the, you it's can't the, It's copy. all that all that lovely pigment which you saw swirling about when you came to the factory that you know that's what it is it's and and you know it's not as you say it's not pink red pigment going into white paint for to create pink it's much much more complex than that and i think also what you're getting and this is what i've got from talking to you you're getting all that well the 75 years history of the factory your 20 years experience as a color curator all that passion all that storytelling from one little ramekin (laughs) on the kitchen table but did you know i I think it is relevant because we're uh, charlie who i work with we're both farrenball homegrown we're just totally doing this out of passion neither of us went to art school we just you know it's it's something which we've just thrown our lives into and and that's the way this whole company's always been run and that's the way of the product and I think that's incredibly important so it it, it feels relatable I hope Thank you so much, Joa. That's been fantastic. I've loved diving into all the names and the colours. I've I've absolutely loved it. I mean, I find uh, the Great Indoors is a little ray of sunshine in my (laughs) wheel every week. Um, So, yeah, it's it's been fun and I've loved sharing everything with you. Thank you for having me. Thank Thank you. you. Um, For our listeners, you can follow Joa on social media on at Joa Studholm. That's S-T-U-D-H-O-N. L-M-E. And while you're at it, you can follow us as well. I'm Mad About the House and she's, I've forgotten who you are. Sophie Robinson Interiors. There you go. Do tag us all in any pictures of your Farrow and Ball covered rooms that you're particularly proud of or any with the new colours. We'd love to see. And don't forget for a sneak peek at the room that Joe is sitting in, do check out our YouTube channel for a slightly longer less edited version of uh, the podcast and links to Joe's Instagram our Instagram and indeed the YouTube channel will all be popped in the podcast show notes but for now thanks so much to our producers Kate Taylor and Sarah Cudden of Feast Collective and thanks so much to you for listening and we'll see you in the great indoors